0: Well hello, Grace Church. It is wonderful to be with you today. I want to welcome you, uh, that are worshiping with us in the auditorium, also that are worshiping with us online. Uh, my name is Russell and I am one of the pastors here at Grace. Uh, you saw on that, uh, rebrand video, uh, the movie Twister. How many of you remember the movie Twister? Uh, it, uh, was considered the best tornado movie ever, uh, until Sharknado was invented. Uh, <laughs> which I still have not yet to see, but I, I heard it uh, blew Twister out of the water. Um, the uh, So the point of the story, Twister, is uh, about these storm chasers, right? They would They would go after these tornadoes because they were trying to put these sensors into the tornadoes so that they could learn more about them, so that they could track them better. And if they were able to track them better, they would be able to save lives because they would be able to warn people earlier that they were about to come. And so you'd see this movie uh, with uh, most of the people running away from the tornadoes, driving out, uh, going out of their way to get out of the way of the tornadoes. Uh, but you would see these other people, these storm chasers that would be running into the storm. And uh, I don't know about you, but my first response uh, when there's any weather uh, or uh, any hard things in my own life, my first response is to run in the opposite direction. I want to get away from the storm. I don't want bad times. I don't want hard times. I don't want sad times. But for some reason, these people went uh, towards the storm as well. So we're in the series over the next few weeks where we have been. It's called From the Heart. And we've been looking at concepts of praise and worship that you would find in the book of Psalms. So week one, we talked about and defined who we praise. We talked about the attributes of who God is. Uh, week two, Tim, uh, excuse me, Kent, talked about what is praise. Uh, and then today, we're going to be talking about how do we praise God in the storms of life, uh, in the sad times, in the good times. Uh, and the reality is, if I was to ask you this question of, uh, when should you praise God? Like the, 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 the simple response, the it would seem to be always, right? Like if I'd say, Hey, when is it appropriate to praise God? Most of us would say, yeah, we should praise God all the time. Right? Like why, why would we not? But, and, 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 even like the idea of knowing how to praise God in good times, like when, when things are going well, like you're thankful, you're joyful, you're excited, you can celebrate, but how, how do I lift my voice when I don't have a voice? Or how do I find words when there are no words to praise God? When I feel abandoned and hurt, confused, disappointed, uh, maybe uh, tremendous loss or pain, or maybe you feel under attack. How do I praise God in those times? And so today uh, we're going to be looking at the Psalms and they're going to offer a tool to us uh, to move from this place of seeing the storm coming and even being frustrated, mad, angry, sad, whatever else it might be, and being able to get to a point where we can praise God on the other side of it. And as we jump into that today, uh, one of the bottom line truths that we will have to believe if we want to praise God uh, in the storms of this life is this, is that God is good even when life isn't is that God is good even when life is it. Do you believe that today? And so will will you pray with me as we jump in today? So Lord Jesus, uh, we invite you into our lives. We invite you into our hearts and minds. And God, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would teach us today and that you would show us uh, how to praise you in the midst of hard times. Uh, Some of us have walked into storms recently. Uh, and we're trying to retreat from them. Some of us have been in them for quite a while, and some of us are are, are enjoying sunny days. Uh, but we have friends and loved ones who are hurting, and so God, I pray that you would use this to teach all of us. I pray that you would do this in Jesus' name, Amen. And so, how, how do you cope when uh, when life isn't good? Like, what is your response when life isn't good? I, I my first initial response is just sure anger, like like angry, just 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 Outrage—it just comes out of me very quickly, like from the smallest things when things don't go my way. Like when I stub my toe, I—I I am the most angry that I'll ever be for a few moments. I—I uh, I have been known to enjoy an over-medium egg in my day, and when I was first learning how to cook them, uh, I would often crack the yolk. And any time I would crack the yolk, I would take the frying pan, I would storm over, stomp over to my trash can, and I would slam it into the trash because it wasn't supposed to break. It's real. It's my life. It's how I respond. Imagine me like when something really bad happens, right? Uh, and, uh, but how do you respond when life isn't good, right? Like, when you're in the middle of a storm, is it's your first response, is it despair? Maybe it's anger, like myself. Maybe it's depression. Uh, maybe it's anxiety. And, uh, you know, feeling those things and expressing those things, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, Um, I'm actually a big proponent of like if you feel something, like if you're mourning something, you should really mourn it. You should really feel it. Uh, exp- and express it but there's a difference between expressing and living like we can live in those places and when we live in those places uh they take over our lives and often we have these coping mechanisms that we put in place to help us get through living in those places and so some of the coping mechanisms are avoidance like it could be that you're trying to avoid uh whatever the problem is or sweep it under the rug it could be that you're a peacemaker right like let's just make everything good everyone take a deep breath let's make everything fine could be that you look for comfort, and you do that in uh, through substances, or you could do that through numbing your heart and mind, through uh, television, food, whatever else it might be. It could be control. Like maybe if I just work a little bit harder, this will go away. Maybe if I just clean a little bit more, it'll all go away. If I can just get a, if we get my grips on it, I could just be in control. Do we allow the chaos of life to drive us uh, away from the storm? Do we allow the chaos uh, of life to, to cause us to cope? As opposed to cling to God. And uh, I would encourage us, and this is as you think about this, is it's incredibly counterintuitive to to run towards the storm. Like it's incredibly it's, it's the opposite of everything, like the, the fight or flight, like we want to flight more often than not. And our fighting, if we do want to fight, often isn't running towards the storm, it's just about, like, can we just get around it somehow? But really is this, is that are you willing to run into the storm? And what if, if you did, that if you found restoration, if you found refreshment, if you found redemption and renewal from a God who loves you and cares about you and will use this to change your life and maybe even to save your life? And so today we're going to be in the book of uh, Psalms. We're going to be Psalm 143 today. You can open your Bibles there uh, or you can uh, find it on your smartphone as well. Uh, or your tablet. And this is a Psalm that David wrote. We don't know exactly when he wrote this. Uh, It could be because of some of the writing that he was in a cave that was hiding from uh, King Saul, but we don't, we're not hundred percent sure. It could be after he lost uh, his baby. But I encourage you as we read this to put this uh, into your own words, into your own circumstances as well. Psalm 143, it's considered a lament. And so in the Psalms, there's really two major categories. You can probably break them down more than this, but there's two major categories. I'd call a psalm of praise, which is a happy psalm, expresses joy, thanksgiving, and celebration. And we, 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 we've we talked about these the last two weeks with Psalm 145, and we've talked about it with Psalm 150. And then there's the lament, which is expressing pain and anger and confusion and sorrow. These actually make up uh, two-thirds of the Bible. And inside of the structure of how these laments were written in Hebrew poetry, they kind of follow a pattern with three steps in them. Some say four or five, but We've we've narrowed them down to three today. And and so these will help us get to a place from just acknowledging the storm to actually uh, praising God in the midst of it as well. And so it opens, the first step is this, is that we have to plea. We have to plea uh, to God. And a plea is an honest, urgent, emotional response. It's an honest, urgent, emotional response response to God. And David opens his psalm in verse 1. He says this, he says, hear my prayer, O Lord. He says, give ear to my pleas for mercy in your faithfulness. Answer me in your righteousness. And David is saying, God, can you even hear me up there? Are you listening to me? Answer me. I've been asking you this question for some time. Will you please just answer me and extend your mercy to me? Because I can't take it anymore. Verse 3, he says, for the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness, like those long dead, verse 4, therefore my spirit faints within me. And my heart within me is appalled. You ever feel crushed before? You ever feel like that you're just surrounded by darkness, not physical darkness, but there's just a cloud around you. Ever been overwhelmed before? Ever been distressed before? Ever wonder if God is gonna ever answer the prayer that you keep asking. David is distressed and overwhelmed. He's pleading to God. He's he's giving this urgent, honest account of where he is at. You know, my daughter, uh, Maisie, she's almost two, and uh, we've been blessed to encounter a tantrum uh, recently. And, uh, you know, she didn't used to do this, but now uh, for any reason uh, or no reason, she'll just throw herself onto the floor and just start kicking and screaming and crying, sometimes banging her head on the floor. And, um, you know, it made me wonder, like, what if adults, uh, like, threw tantrums? And, uh, like, what if it was just something we did as opposed to coping? Like, what if our coping mechanism was, like, anytime we feel overwhelmed or distressed or feel crushed, we just threw ourselves on the floor and just had a little break? And, uh, you know... Now we, we learn how not to do that, but like we still feel the same sense of being overwhelmed. We just have figured out how to deal with it or we figured out how to numb it or we figured out how to move on by it. And I, I, I I just wonder like how many of you are feeling like that today? Like you just need a break. Like you're throwing yourself on the ground and you're wondering, does your dad in heaven even see you? Does your Father in heaven even see you? Psalm 143, verse 5, he says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done, and I ponder the work of your hands. And, and David's remembering, take me back. Like, can it just not be like this? Can we just have it like it was before? Can you take me back? And so David models this step one of pleading, uh, of how we praise God in the storm, which is to plea to God, have this honest, urgent, emotional response to God. When was the last time you did? When was the last time you had an honest, urgent, emotional response to the to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? When was the last time? And you might not even follow, like, you might not say, hey, I'm a guest here. I don't know God. I'm a follow God. Uh, but, but, like... Have you ever tried that before? Like had an honest, urgent response to God? Like just plead out to God, God, where are you? Can you hear me? It seems like I'm just sitting here alone. I can't even stand. Take me back, God, to a better place, to another place. Restore my joy and hope within you. When was the last time you had an honest, urgent response to God? You know, I think sometimes uh, some of us are afraid to do that. Like we think that God can't handle it or like like that's, you're not supposed to do that. That's not what nice people do. And I think sometimes we think that God is, is like a, like a stained glass window that we would break with our words. And He's not. He's big, He's big enough. He's strong enough. He's capable of hearing what you have to say. Uh, one of the darkest times in my, uh, my life, uh, was in 2011. It started actually July in 2011 or about this time, uh, back then. And, um, I, I was called to ministry as as about 12 years old, and I did ministry in high school. I did ministry in college. I did ministry out of college, and um, I, I I had I got to a point where I, I left a church, and I was I was just done, and uh, I didn't want to do ministry anymore. I was tired. I was exhausted. I was lonely, and I was like, I don't know why God wanted me to do this because I don't want to do it anymore. And uh, and so I moved back to my college town in Athens, Georgia, and um, I I. Um, I, I had a four hour window almost every day between the two jobs I was working, and uh, I used to spend that time and i 'd go plea to god and uh, My friends that were doing uh, graduate school there they had a house that was that uh, was tucked away in the woods and it was kind of on a river and so if you went down this path. Uh, maybe a 100 yards away from the house, there was this, this smaller river. Um, it's called the Oconee River. And uh, they had these giant rocks that you could sit in the middle of the river. You just walk out there in some sandals and just go sit out there. And I used to go sit out there for three or four hours almost every day, f- four or five times a week. And uh, I would just plead to God. And, um, and, and I remember sitting there and sometimes if you were watching me, if you could see me, luckily it was tucked away. So I didn't disturb the neighbors, but I was, I mean, I was, I was up there. I'd be standing on this rock. I'd be pointing to the clouds in the heavens. And I'd be like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why am I even here? What do you want? And I would yell and I would scream and I'd be angry and frustrated and sometimes I couldn't yell and so I'd have to write it and sometimes I couldn't scream and have to whisper it and sometimes I couldn't even, I couldn't even whisper because I was weeping and sometimes I didn't even have words so I'd just read Psalms but I would plead to God in this place over and over and over again and it was an honest emotional response to God. When was the last time you had an honest urgent response to God. Maybe you need to write it today. Maybe you need to scream it today. Maybe you need to whisper it. Maybe weep it. Maybe you need to to, to read it to him. When was the last time he can handle it? And he he wants you to be honest and and be with him. So after we plead to God, then we profess. We have this profession to him. We speak truth of God in ourselves. Because in this plea, we begin to discover things like who God truly is. And we discover like, oh wait, that's probably not who God is. We believe... Like, that's wrong. That's not right. We also discover things about ourselves. Like, maybe we're believing lies about ourselves. Maybe we're, we're, we're living in the wrong place. Maybe we've done the wrong thing and we need to confess something to God as well. And so we speak truth of God in ourselves. And we, in uh, Psalm 143 verse 8, it says, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. And there's these turning points in these Psalms. And here's the turning point. Here's the line. Because after he pleased, then he says this, For in you, I trust. He lays it all out there for God, and he says, For in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. And after this honest emotional response to God... Uh, you draw a line in the sand and will you say, for in you I trust. And you'll see this in other Psalms that will say, but nevertheless, or, but as for me and my house, but as for me and my family, but as for me I will, or yet I will follow you Jesus. It's a moment of drawing the line in the sand and saying, hey, guess what? I want to run that way. Guess what? I want to run backwards. I don't want to go anywhere through this storm. But guess what? But yet in you, I will trust and I will follow you and I will go where you say you want me to go. It's a turning point in your soul. And you know what? Some of you actually are very good at pleading with God. Like you have no problem being honest with God and and uh, that's, that's awesome. Like you're able to communicate to him well and, and he knows everything that you said. But after you're done communicating, pleading, uh, even complaining to some degree, you run the other way to whatever you cope with. Like you run back to the thing that you, that you, you try to fix for yourself. And, 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 and this, the difference in this is moving in, in, to a place of praise in the midst of the storm is drawing the line in the sand and saying, Yet I will trust you, God. I will trust you. And so, in the midst of my own plea to God, I would get to this point, uh, some days, not every day, but I would get to the point, you know what, but Lord, you know what, I'm a, I'm, I follow you. God, I believe you. I trust you. God, I lift up my soul to you. I lift up my, my, my dreams to you, my plans to you, my life to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put all of my chips in with you, Lord. And it's a, this drawing the line in the sand. is saying, nope, I'm going that way, and I'm going with you. And so after you plea, and then you profess who God is, and that you're going to draw a line of sand, that you're going to move forward, then you praise because after being honest and declaring God who He is, we begin to see Him working. Like you begin to see just nuances of like, oh my goodness, God is working in that way and in that way and that way. And you begin to praise Him for who He is. Psalm 143 verse 9 says this. It says, Deliver me from my enemies. Oh Lord, I have fled to you for refuge. Verse 10. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. And you see that the tone of David changes to this place of, of praising God, of proclaiming his promises. Like that, that, that God will defeat his enemies and he'll destroy all his adversaries that he's going to live and let the spirit of God lead him, that he's going to run to God to be his refuge. He changes the way that he speaks about God in these times and what God is going to do. And so we praise him for, for his character. We praise God for his character. And did you know that there's certain things of God's character that you will not fully realize unless you walk through a storm? Did you know that? Like you will not fully realize certain things about God's character. You might know them, you might understand them cognitively, but you will not, you will not experience them unless you walk through a storm of life. Like you will never understand the truth that God will never leave you until you walk through a storm. Like you will never understand, like when, when your family might leave you, when your friends might leave you, when your coworkers might leave you, when everyone else might leave you, when the world might leave you behind, then He is still there. You will, you'll never understand that until you walk through a storm. You'll never understand what it looks like for God to be your refuge, your tower, your fortress until you run to Him and let Him protect you. You'll never understand that God is your defender when, when he begins to fight things for you and things to begin to work out. And you start to see that the clouds are starting to, to calm a little bit because he's defending and he's, he's, he's making a way for you. And you'll never understand the, the full grace of God until you fall flat on your face and he's still there and he still loves you. And he still offers his grace and says, hey, I haven't left yet. I'm right here. And guess what? My grace is still sufficient for you. My grace is still enough for you. And uh, the next one is you praise him for his power. Like that, that, that he is in control and he's working in your life. You praise him for his promises. Like he hasn't forgotten you yet. What promise are you clinging to right now? So Tim, from time to time, will share uh, some verses or thoughts from his own devotion with us. And uh, he said this uh, in the last few few weeks. He said, I was led to read the story of 12 spies today in Numbers 13 and 14. What struck me was that God takes our lack of faith and outright rejection of him. That's a story where the people of Israel are about to go into the promised land, the land that God has for them. They send 12 spies. Ten of them say, we can't do it. There's giants. We'll get overrun. Two of them say, we can do it. And I thought to myself, I, I believe God right now like I, I, i'm trusting god uh when he sent it i put thought nothing of it put it back in my pocket my phone back in my pocket and then after maybe an hour or two uh i was praying about something thinking about something and i just just instantly doubted god in whatever he was sharing with me it was something with ministry and uh and i and in that moment i remembered tim's text he goes, you know what i am doubting god i've not i'm not believing him fully like i could even a little lack of faith is an outright rejection of him even a little out, uh, lack of faith is an outright rejection of him. And I encourage you, this is, what has God said to you that you aren't fully believing right now? What has God said to you that you're not truly believing all of it? And maybe you have rejected him, and maybe today you need to believe. I remember when I first moved to Kansas, uh, I was starting out um, in the student ministry, and we had a student that had an accident that was very severe, and we did not know if they would fully recover. And uh, I remembered, I was at the hospital, and we were at KU, and I remember that the dad and I were walking in the halls, and I was, we were talking, I was about to pray with him, and he said, for some reason, I just feel like inside my, like something inside of me believes or thinks that she is going to be fully recovered, like she's going to have a full recovery. And at this point, we didn't know if that was possible. And I remember, uh, and, and he was like, he felt bad for thinking that. He felt bad, like he, he didn't think that God would come through like that. He didn't know, and uh, and and this wasn't like a what I would call a charismatic man who would say, tell you on, on, on a regular basis, like all of the things that he felt like God was telling him. This was just like, he was praying, and he just had this subtle confidence with a little bit of doubt, too. And I said, you know what, I believe that God did tell you that through the Spirit, and I think that you should, I think you should believe that, and you should pray that. And I believe that there's things today that God is telling you that you are doubting, and that you need to believe what God has said through Scripture. You can believe God what said through a friend. It could be through a sermon. You need to believe what God has said, and you need you need to, to believe in faith and pray that, pray that, trust in that, cling to the promises that God has for you as well. So, uh, out on this uh, rock in the middle of this river, in the middle of this. I don't know, the woods basically. I would sit out there and I wish I could tell you that it was just a one time experience. Like, man, I had a really good time with God. I really got my plea out. I really professed the right things and then I praised him and then I knew the rest of my plan for the rest of my life and I'm living it and we're on it, right? That didn't happen. Uh, it actually took four to five days, uh, and for four to five months of pleading and of professing and of praising. Uh, before I was able to kind of move out of this storm. And some days, it, I wouldn't even get past the plea. Like, I would just keep going. And some days I could move beyond that. And sometimes it would just be that, like, God would just give me enough to keep going the next day. Like, just a glimpse and that he would give me enough of his peace for the next day to move on. And then the next day I'd wake up and I'd need new mercies and new grace And along the way. But let me tell you a little bit about uh, how God, over four or five months, began to share a little bit to me, a little glimpse of what he was going to do, take me from a place of despair and angry and loneliness, a place where I felt like I did not want to do ministry anymore, and brought me to where I am. And so, he started with this. He would, God would, God would, for me, I, I, I don't know how you do this, but for me, it's like, God puts these like one liners on my heart and I write them down and then I start praying about it. So the first one was this is you need a change. That was the first one. Okay. That's really, that's really specific. God, thank you. Uh, what, what needs a change? Like me personally, what, what kind of change? Career change, job change, location change. What are you talking about? And it wasn't like, this wasn't every day. This would be like, I would get one of these and it would take, I would pray about it for like two to four weeks, depending on what it was. And then God would say the next little one liner. And so it was first, you need to change. <laughs> okay. You need to go somewhere new. That was, that was the change. Okay, cool. So I know the type of change, but where do you want me to go? And again, it was about a month before uh, i narrowed the list down to a couple of places that I felt like I was leading. And uh, he said, I want you to move to Colorado. And uh, I was like, Colorado? I, don't, I know like two people in Colorado, <laughs> uh, and, um, and, and so I was like, okay, well, Lord, I don't have a job there and I'm not, I don't have money to move right now. Like, so what do you want to do? And then the next one was, uh, I want you to go back to school. It's like, that's cool. That costs money too, God. Awesome. Uh, what, like, what do you, what do you want? Like, like, okay, well, how do you want me to pay for it? And like, like, what do you want to do? And then the last one was, I'll, I have a ministry job for you out there. I was like, okay. Like a used ministry job out there. I was like, cool. Uh, like, will I sign contracts before I go? Or like, how's this working? And, uh, and it was just like, I want you to go. And so, uh, uh, December 31st, 2011, I got into my 2009 Honda Fit loaded up with everything that I owned. And I drove from here, uh, from there, from Atlanta, Georgia, all the way to, uh, the legends in Kansas City. We spent New Year's in 2011 with all of you. And, uh, then went from there, uh, the next day to Colorado. And, uh, I didn't know where I was gonna live. I was enrolled in school, but I didn't have a job. And, uh, and it was one of the biggest bold uh, steps of faith I've ever made in my entire life, and it was birthed out of this pleading and this professing and this praising. And let me tell you, uh, kind of the result or the fruit of that—that that I would have missed out on if I ever—I uh, never would have taken the time uh, to do it. So, two months in, I met the—I the, met the church and the staff of the people that I was going to work with, uh, and, and got a job. Um, about a year into living in Colorado, or 18 months into living in Colorado, I ended up meeting my wife out there and uh and I wouldn't have the family that I have. Uh I met two of my closest friends to this day and uh and, and we still get to do ministry to this day together and because of that friendships I've actually uh after school I shifted and moved here to Kansas as well. And so now, because of that story of being in this cloud, of being not knowing what to do, not knowing even anything about my future, I, I know God more. I know his provi- provision more. I know his guidance more uh, than I ever have before. And if I never ran through that storm, I would have never experienced that. I would have never understood the grace of God. I would have never understood how he's always there. I would have never understood how he, he's kind along the way. And now here's the cool thing is this, is I get to tell other people about it. And tell other people about it and what if you know what if the storm that you're going through right now at the end of it is that you got to tell other people about it and they got to share in your joy they get to share in your hope and your faith and guess what that your story is going to propel someone to keep walking through whatever storm they're going through as well and so how do we praise God into this uh in the midst of storms we run towards them not away from them. We run towards them and we plea and we have these honest emotional responses to God. And we profess at some point along the way, once we've gotten all of our thoughts and emotions out, that we will draw a line in the sand and we will say, but for in you, I will trust and I will follow. And I'm going to go that way towards the storm with you, God. And then you'll start seeing him do miracle after miracle. And, that, and then you will cause you to praise him. And so, as I, as I, as as we finish today, I want to encourage you with this: Is are you willing to run? Are you willing to run towards the storms that come your way? And maybe you've been running away, and maybe you're in the middle of one. I don't know, but are you willing to run? Because the way the way your story will have impact uh, could impact people to where their lives are changed, that they follow Jesus because of your story and because of your storm. Would you be willing to endure that storm just for that? And you'll learn more about yourself along the way. or You'll know more about a God who loves you like, like, like you could never understand before. Would you, would you be willing to run towards a storm? Would you pray with me? So, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Uh, God, I, I praise you for bringing storms in our lives. Uh, so that they draw us closer to you and so that through our own testimonies and stories that you draw others uh, to yourself. And so God, I pray that you would bless uh, this time. I pray that you would show us how you want us to respond. Maybe we need to plea today. Maybe we need to draw a line in the sand and say, God, no matter what, I'm going to follow you. You know, maybe, maybe we just need to praise you today. Maybe we we, we need to remember what you have done uh, and to praise you for that as well. And so we, we, we lift all of this up in Jesus' name. Amen.